Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Central Line for the second piece of this two-episode conversation with Dr. Kate Toyer. If you haven't listened or watched part one yet, please go back and do that because we pick up right where we left off last time. And I'm going to give a language warning again because we both tell it like it is this hour. I also want to send a big thank you to Care Credit for their support of Central Line and of DEIB efforts in vet med. As I've said before on this podcast, it's really easy for a lot of people to say, oh, they're diving into politics when we talk about DEIB, and in particular, LGBTQIA rights on this show or in other content we produce at AHA. But in truth, it's the proliferation of anti-LGBTQIA plus bills that are being considered or signed into law right now in over half the states in the U.S. that make this a political issue. When a person who is not personally affected by these violations of human rights can zoom in and see that members of this community, of the LGBTQIA plus community, are working next to us. They're wondering if it's okay to be themselves around us. They're looking at us from across the exam table and wondering if we're able to give their pets best care, regardless of how they look or dress or whose hand they're holding. When we zoom in and see that, that we look at these individuals who are in our lives already, it should be easy to see that this is actually deeply personal and not political. And we cannot be our best as veterinary professionals without being fully comfortable bringing our whole selves to work. The real best medicine cannot exist without that. So I hope this conversation encourages you to speak up for someone you know um, or speak up in a room when there's no one there to speak up for themselves uh, or if they don't feel safe to do so. And if you're struggling with this or and you want resources on how to be a better ally or if you're a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, um, there, there's a full library of free resources over at pridevmc.org. So I encourage you to go check it out. Um, They are doing amazing work over there, including the Gender Identity Bill of Rights uh, and a whole lot of other good stuff. So head on over and please enjoy this conversation. Happy Pride Month to all of you. And thanks, as always, for listening. I I think that's exactly it. It is a question of humanity and, and... I think at times, like, trans people get leveled at them, like, why do you make it always about politics? It's like, I don't want it to be about politics. I, 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 I don't yeah. care. Like, I just, I'm just trying to exist. I'm literally just trying yeah. to actually, I'm just trying to live and I'm just trying to live and contribute to society in the best way. I know how. Um, I just want to be. I just want to be included. Uh, and we're back to those themes of inclusion, aren't we? Sort of uh, like you know. Mm-hmm. I just. I really just want to be included. And I don't sort of. Uh, you know, trans people don't wake up and go, I'm going to be a political activist today. I'll sort of, uh, let's go out and do a course right. on this. Um, uh, you know, there was a, um, I remember a really, uh, there's a actress, Georgie Stone, who's um, uh, sort of, uh, who's quite, um, she's uh, fairly big over here, sort of in Australia, um, uh, but um, not so much in the US. Uh, she was, very important sort of uh, was a part of a um was one of the legal cases a little bit like um uh in the US you've had a couple of legal cases re can't remember I think it's re kevin but it could be I could be wrong sort of there's a couple of cases there that have been precedent cases um uh, so georgie's georgie's case which was originally her original case was re jamie which was basically it sort of overturned a a whole heap of um, uh, requirements for having a court actually allow access to gender-affirming care for um, uh, for uh, for trans youth, in particular. Um, she was interviewed by Clio magazine. Clio, I think it was Clio, one of those magazines, sort of, uh, um, and um, had, she was asked. Uh, why did you become an activist? And uh, and, and her response is pretty telling because sort of uh, her response was, 
I never actually... I never actually decided to become an activist. As soon as I walk in the room, I'm an activist. Um, as soon as I walk in the room, I am sort of uh, basically I'm disrupting everything you thought society thought they knew about what people should do and how they should be uh, and who they should be. Um, uh, so... That's that's what it's like for trans people. Um, and I think this goes to one of the things about why uh, why um, trans people are feared so much. And I think you did ask this question in one of the, the – one of the questions that you sort of sent through was mm-hmm. like um, why, why, why are people so afraid of trans people? trans and gender diverse mm-hmm. people um, uh, sort of uh, angry and or afraid. I think the anger comes from fear, to be honest. So I, I think the underlying issue is fear, yeah. like sort of uh, people are afraid of trans people. And I think it's because sort of uh, I think there's two, there's a few things, but sort of, uh, and it is, a, it is complex, but sort of uh, I think we can break it down to a few things. Number one, they don't understand our lives. So sort of uh, they don't. They don't see, sort of, uh, you know, and and so for a vast majority of uh, of people, they don't know or care or love a trans person, uh, and so they just haven't been exposed to all of those things, sort of, uh, and so, well, they think they don't know a trans person. They do, they do, but sort of, uh, but um, right, uh, but I think the. The fear comes from, in a way, trans people, we're kind of the ultimate disruptors. We, we mm-hmm. sort of, uh, and it's and it's not even deliberate. This is what I was sort of trying to get at with the Georgie Stone story, is that we don't do it deliberately, but just by being in the room, a trans person challenges everything you thought you knew about how society is structured. Every single piece of the way society is built, our society is built on a binary gendered construction, um, uh, sort of, uh, which is particularly, and it is still, I'm sorry, guys, it's still fairly patriarchal and male-dominated. Um, uh, and it's, yes, no, it's yeah. not all men, but it's, a, it's enough men that it's still there. Uh, okay. Um, and... That is sort of how society is structured and society doesn't like unpredictability. Business doesn't like unpredictability. We like to be able to predict, oh, we're going to have X number of business, X number of clients next year. We're going to make X number, X amount of money or whatever. Um, trans people walk into that, walk into that and we go, oh, by the way, everything you thought you knew about gender, uh, and, um, uh, and the way sort of uh, and, and all of these assumptions you had that you've built your society around, it's actually all just an illusion. <laughs> like we're sort of uh, where they're going, yeah, <laughs> it's all changeable sort of uh, and and I think that that's it's quite like time scary in the work week. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's all an illusion. Somebody and just that's made quite it scary. Someone made it all up. And that's scary when you've built your entire life around this and you're going, what? Hey, yeah. what? Sorry. Hang on. Can I take a seat? So I think that's where a lot of the fear comes from. And you can respond to that in, I think, in a couple of different ways. You can respond to it by shutting down and that's where the fear comes in so when we when we sort of when we get afraid of something um we tend to respond to it in one of two one of two basic ways we're going back to binaries aren't we but sort of uh, we do tend to respond to fear sort of uh, so we either sort of um it's either the fight or the flight response isn't it so we either run away from it sort of uh, or we fight it and hence the anger 
sort of uh, so we sort of uh, so society um, uh, and people sort of uh, they've got all these unconscious biases that have been impacting their lives and and they see this thing and they they sort of they're like this is completely disrupting my my entire future I'm just going to try and pretend it either doesn't exist or I'm going to fight against it. There's a third way to actually deal with that fear, though, and this is what I hope people can actually do. And that third way of actually dealing with that fear is to actually confront it and to look in the mirror and go, okay, that fear is there, that fear is real, like it's a real emotion, it's sort of, uh, but why? Why am I feeling that fear? What, what is it that I'm afraid of and why am I afraid of it? And really examining that and going, can I face this and does this need to be as scary? If I accept this change, if I learn more about this change, if I learn more about this new thing, can it lead to a space where I can actually grow as a person? And actually sort of uh, and become sort of uh, a new uh, sort of uh, and hopefully better person by sort of uh, by growing. And that's the pathway that I try and choose as much as I can sort of. Uh, um, it's certainly a pathway that I consciously actively try and choose, um, uh, but a pathway that I try and choose uh and i try and encourage other people to choose as well because the pathway of fighting or running it's like a it's a no growth sort of pathway it's it's if that yeah. fear is just blocking you from continuing on your journey through this life and actually growing it and sort of uh, and learning um you know running from it or fighting it is that's not going to help you continue the sort of that life journey and continue to grow. That's, that's the way I see it. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and like, I do a lot of reading on, um, on like diet and wellness culture. That's like something that I've started to read about lately. And, um, that one of the things that they talk about is, you know, when you have thoughts of either, judgment towards yourself for not conforming to something that society says you should look like or that you should be doing, or if you're judging somebody else for that, that that's learned behavior, right? Because we yeah. sort of become the air we breathe. And so if, if we've been breathing mm. in this culture our whole lives, it's natural that our first reaction is going to be what we've been taught to feel. But then to actually examine that feeling and that fear or that feeling of judgment and say, okay, who's benefiting from this judgment? Is, mm. am I benefiting from this? And mm. is the person I'm judging benefiting from my judgment? Or is there possibly a, an agenda that's been, you know, or an indoctrination that's been placed upon me to mm. feel a certain way, and it doesn't actually benefit me or the other person? And in that case, your first reaction isn't who you are. It's who you've been, how you've been brought up to think, and that doesn't have to be the end. And I, yeah. I just think about that so much here. You know, how can we get people to stop and take that, that moment and think, okay, who's benefiting mm. from this reaction, and how can I change it so that we both benefit? Exactly, and and I think, and I think the other thing is, it's it, it's not easy. It's not easy. The, the easy yeah. pathway, no. the easy pathway is just to, as you say, kind of do what society tells you to do because it's kind of that's the easy endorphin rush. Like you do the stuff that other people want you to do um, uh, and so you make them happy and you get the endorphin rush of make, making them happy. Um, and and that's okay to do but it's, it is – the easy pathway is sort of uh, – and sometimes I think we get lost in that we can get lost in there and not really understand who we are because mm -hmm. knowing who we are, there will be people who won't like that. 
there, there, there will be people who will be upset. There, there will be people, and you don't know because you don't know when you tell someone who you are and, and sort of uh, you don't know if they're going to actually like that. Are they going to like you for who you are? Um, you don't know that, and it's an incredible amount of trust to put that out there. Like that's a huge amount of trust to go, yeah. this is who I am. Uh, and so but the doing that when you do get the person who who says, you know what, I see you, I see who you are, and I actually I do like I I love that person. I sort of uh, I I like that person. I love that person. Uh, I love who you are. That relationship, that sort of that interaction, and that sort of that. It's, it's so hard to describe that spirituality, that spiritual connection. I'm not quite sure what what words to use, but um, uh, that connection that occurs. That's like that's worth a thousand of the um a thousand of the being who someone else says you should be um and and I think that that goes for that doesn't just go for listeners who might be gender diverse sort of uh, that goes for allies as well in, in terms of mm-hmm. um uh, sort of and for anyone um uh, sort of uh, that being sort of uh, being who you sort of really looking at and be and understanding who you are as a as a person, it's challenging and it's hard, but the hard work has a pretty good yeah. payoff. Um, uh, and that payoff is those people, those people who love you for who you are, they, they are ride or dies. They 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 are yeah. they're never gonna let you go. Um, and yeah. so regardless of sort of pretty much regardless of what you do, they, they sort of, they are always there for you. Um, uh, that connection yeah. is always there and, and that's a kind of a, that's a pretty beautiful connection. So, yeah. It is. That's, you're so right. Like it's worth 50,000 likes on your, you know, <sighs> meme, right? Yeah. Is, is that one moment of connection where you're like, this person sees me and not only are they okay with it, that might even be why they love me. You know, it's like they take that whole package. It's not, it's not, we love you no matter what it's, we love you because, and that is so powerful. Um, And, and that was one question that I actually had sent you, which, because you were talking about, like, if you know who you are, you do, yeah. you stand to lose a little bit when you tell that to people. But knowing who you are is such a powerful and empowering thing. Um, yeah. And so I was wondering, you know, just because so many of us go through life not trusting that inner voice, or it takes yeah. us a long time to find it. Yeah. You know, you heard that inner voice when you were very young, and yeah. it took you longer to actually act upon it totally. because of society and wanting to feel loved, but yeah. you did and you, you knew yeah. it was there. And that yeah. is such a rare thing to hear. Um, and yet I feel like so many of us have been trained to not listen to that inner voice because it's yeah. telling us things that'll make it harder somehow for yeah. us to be yeah. comfortable. And well, do you well, find that that, yeah. that, that, and when I say comfortable, I mean comfortable in society, not necessarily comfortable yeah, yeah, in our yeah. own skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But do you feel like that that inner voice that you have have a deeper connection to that inner voice because of this experience and this life that you've had, or do you still find it hard to connect with the voice sometimes um, and know what you really want or what decision you should really make yeah, for yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a this is a really great question, and I, and I absolutely I love this question partly because I've just I don't know if I've ever been actually asked it before, um, but I think it is so vital because it really gets to the heart and the soul of of um, of of all of this when it comes down to it, um, 
and I, and I think that sort of, yeah, like it, it took me a long time sort of to to be uh, comfortable, brave enough. I don't like the term brave because I sort of uh, it's it's just it's just a term I sort of have chances with, but to actually to listen to that voice and, and sort of uh, and actually um, and do that. I don't think – I think that society doesn't want us to know who we are because, because when we sort of uh, – because when we know who we are <laughs> – we do become the social disruptors. Uh, sort of, we do sort of we do challenge things, um, uh, and so sort of the way our society has been built and structured, it doesn't want us. It wants us to behave in a certain way because that brings order sort of to the chaos, doesn't it? And sort of uh, mm. you know, and there's certain yeah. sort of there's certain benefits to that order, and there's certain sort of things that um, uh, that we need to do because because we need to be mindful and, and respectful of others as well. Um, do I think that having listened to that voice and continuing to listen, and I, and I think that's also important as well. I'm not like I'm a sort of I'm a different person now to who I was seven years ago, five years ago, three years ago. Sort of uh, you know, and I want to be different. I want to keep on growing. I, I want to keep on learning. Um. So I do, I constantly question, I constantly go to that inner voice. Like I'm doing it all the time, like literally sort of, uh, you know, okay, sort of uh, what does this mean for who you are? Um, uh, you know, most recently I, I think a, a good example was probably sort of had, uh, had a very strong connection with a friend of mine who's profoundly deaf, a veterinarian who's profoundly deaf. And um, so... That made me examine really who I am, sort of uh, just as an able-bodied person. Like, sort of, uh, okay, sort of, uh, what does that, what does that actually mean? Sort of, uh, you know, what are the assumptions that I make about the world because I am able-bodied and I don't have to sort of uh, encounter sort of things like, um, uh, like having to have captions and sort of stuff like that to be able to. To be able to interact with um, with certain things, so I am doing it constantly. I do think it means that this probably sounds quite sort of this probably sounds quite boastful and bragging, but I do think it probably means that I'm slightly better at. This doesn't say I'm perfect at it all the time, but I'm probably slightly better at. Um, Detecting, I'm going to try and call it falsehoods, but it's not quite the right term. Mm. I'm, I'm good at understanding when people are doing things because they think that it's what they should be doing. They sort of, uh, if that makes mm. sense. Um, uh, so you have a good bullshit detector, have, is what you mean? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a good bullshit detector. Um, uh, sort of, uh, and even even sort of uh, even a good detector of when people who genuinely believe that they that they sort of the mm. that this is the they they believe the things and it's just because they and it's just because they haven't really questioned anything they just haven't questioned the assumptions underlying that like it's sort of uh, you know yeah i'm fairly good at picking that up um so does it mean that i'm sort of uh, and and i still like there are there are people that I meet and I, and it's like you, you sort of you've got some growing to do, but there's a good heart down in there. Like sort of uh, you know you've got a whole heap of society assumptions that have sort of that have just, as you say, like sort of uh, these are all learned things. Like sort of uh, and most people that sort of we interact if we're thirty years old, most people we interact with have had thirty years. If we're sort of if you're old like me and we're fifty. Um, most people have had 50 years worth of society sort of uh, basically sort of uh, pummeling these sort of uh, these things into them that sort of uh, that, you know, these assumptions into them. Um, so, but I, I do sort of try and look to 
I try and look to where people's heart actually is rather than where mm. their um, sort of uh, where their mind actually is. Because if their hearts, if they've got a good heart and they've got a good soul, then they can usually, you can usually sort of uh, help them see some of the assumptions and help them sort of start that journey to actually question those assumptions and go, okay, does that really match up with, you know, all these things that I've been told, does that really match up with what I actually believe in my heart? Um, so I think that, I think that is definitely having to really consider and look at myself a lot. And I've sort of done that a lot. Like you sort of, you don't, you don't wake up and transition and go, you don't wake up and go, I'll be a girl today. That sounds like fun. Um, sort of, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's been nothing but easy and fun. <laughs> nothing but easy and fun. Sort of, uh, you know, that sounds like that sounds like a lark. Let's do that for a while. Um, so, um, you know, there's an insane amount of like self reflection and sort of looking at myself, uh, sort of really deep down and trying to understand who I am sort of uh, about this whole journey. And and I think a lot of veterinarians don't actually do that because it's kind of easy to cruise through life without doing that sort of uh, – and, and I did mm -hmm. for a while. Like I'd sort of – you know, when I buried all of this sort of back when I was 14, 15 years old uh, and I buried it all – and I managed to cruise through life for 25-odd years sort of uh, without really sort of really questioning who I was and just doing all of the things society told me I should do to be a good person, sort of a, a good and successful person. And I think a lot of veterinarians do do that. I, I think that we sort of, uh, for a variety of reasons, I, I think that we do uh, we cruise through sort of life doing the doing all of the things that society tells us we should do in order to be successful and good um, uh, sort of uh, a good vet and a successful vet uh, without really really looking at who we are and sort of uh, as some as a person so and I mm -hmm. So I, I think that sort of uh, I encourage veterinarians to do that because I think when you do do that, when you know who you are, it's there's a power in that that sort of and a happiness. I'm not sure. There's a there's a calmness. And uh, uh, a spiritually it, calm place that sort of that you get to. It it reminds me of what you said when you were talking about like you could walk down the street and people could, you know, say things to you or you know, sh show you behavior that isn't supportive in the street. And it doesn't. It just you can bounce it off because you know who you are and you're comfortable and you have a support system. And deep down, you you know this is all just. It's all just bullshit, right? And yeah. you are who you are and you have a good life. And I think that that sense of just like you're almost almost bulletproof to most things of just yeah. like all the stuff that life throws at you. You know, that is a really, really empowering feeling. And I know now what people say, like when you get older, like as you get older, you if you're lucky enough to sort of sink into that sense of self that like getting older isn't as scary because it comes with such a gift, which is not worrying so much about the stuff that doesn't matter and allowing yourself to just be who you are. And that is a tremendous that's the best gift that I could think of um, in life mm. is just to have that security with yourself that no matter what happens, you know who you are. Um, and But that's not to say that we can't help people get there, right? No, totally. Um, if you're uh, um, who are struggling. Absolutely. And, and sort of, uh, and, you know, and it's not sort of, uh, it's not that I've had times in the last 
seven years where I've been on the bedroom floor crying, you know, because, because of yeah. some shit that's been sort of felt. We've really blown the sort of swear meter now, haven't we? Um, because of some absolute crap yeah. that's, <laughs> um, that's sort of that's been published in like a local you know, like mainstream media or, or sort of uh, or something like that or or um or whatever. It's it's not to say that there's not those times of challenge and sadness. They they're still gonna be there. But there is a space where you can, like you say, sink into a, a sort of a, a sense of self and calmness of knowing who you are that can act like it can be pretty well almost bulletproof um uh, and sort of so you can just um brush it off um and you know i think it sort of at times as veterinarians we're attacked by sort of we're attacked by clients like sort of uh, like we get sort of uh, you know flame attacked on social media by clients or whatever um yeah you know and, and sort of uh, and i do see veterinarians at times sort of uh, responding to that and they said and it is upsetting like so don't get me wrong like it's upsetting when sort of when a client sort yeah, of uh, attacks you doesn't feel good at all uh, you know you're only in it for the money you don't care sort of uh, take your pick like we can sort of rattle off the top 10 sort of uh, quotes um uh, they they sort of uh, it's like they've got a some sort of central QAnon sort of, uh, you know, database, they get them off. Um, but, um, and, you know, but I see sort of, uh, I do see veterinarians get upset about it and I'm just like, oh, and they're just like, those people aren't worth it. Like it's just, they're just, you just have to walk away from that. Like you really just have to walk away from that and it's, a, you know, it's like, and we get, I think we get upset and we get sort of, uh, we get, we get more upset about that stuff the more importance we place on that client actually liking us, which is why I think mm-hmm. it's so important to actually have that inner sense of who we are and actually liking and loving ourselves um, uh, and sort of, yeah. uh, and, um, you know, and that's, we're sort of, uh, we're now sort of deep into, religious spirituality theory aren't we and sort of um uh, you know and, and self-care and um uh, and whatnot so we've covered uh, a, lot of a lot of my today, podcasts uh, covered a lot of ground <laughs> but um but yeah so and i think that sort of i do see that and I'm, i i do sort of uh i just i hope that those veterinarians can sort of start to see and go and i do sort of encourage anyone who's listening who gets into that space just try and reflect on who you're a good person you don't you don't become a vet if you're a horrible horrible person like you just don't do that you're you're actually a good person and maybe you sort of and maybe you haven't really thought about who you actually are and maybe you need to do some work on that and go and sort of speak to like I don't know, counselor, priest, sort of imam, sort of whoever, like that is about sort of uh, you know, um, uh, sort of uh, some some sort of guru on the internet. I'm not sure, but sort of whatever's your fly. Um, uh, maybe you need to do that. But underneath and in in there, you're actually you're a really good person. You really are a good person because if you weren't a good person, you wouldn't care about animals. Uh, okay, um, and I think you need to. Hold on to that and know that and know that these these attacks, these things from the outside, they they will pass. They will sort of, uh, they will go away. Um, and just you need to hold on to that central thing of like, you know, I actually, I am a good person and sort of I do, I do care. Maybe examine and just go, okay, did I really express my caring that well? okay sort of maybe sometimes we've got to actually change our we look at that we've got to change our behavior because we don't that great at listening say um uh, or something like that but underneath it all you're a good person so i hope i hope that your listeners sort of really understand that (laughs) i i hope so too because i fully believe that and i think that's what ewan meant when they said you know 
that with education and with some work, this could be the most welcoming and inclusive profession. Oh, yes. Um, because we are made up uniformly of good people. I mean, I've not met somebody who chose this profession, like you said, who isn't at heart a good person. And, you know, we all see like the animal that is different or that nobody wanted to adopt or that, you know, is is somehow Ugh, not like yes. the, the perfect animal and we all want that animal like we that's the one we pick out right but like oh, no, right we need to <laughs> that we need to show that yeah. compassion to, i have you know my chihuahua i mike's husband used to say failed quality control which is absolutely true um and i love him so much you know he's like the most perfect dog in the world to me and um i we have to turn that that compassion and that just love for the for people just being who they are on each other Care Credit and Pets Best are proud to sponsor this podcast. They believe Pride Month is an important time each year to reflect and motivate individuals to advance fairness and equality and empower all people to be their authentic selves, regardless of sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. The Care Credit Credit Card and Pets Best are here with friendly, flexible solutions to empower all types of pet parents to be financially prepared for a lifetime of care. I've taken too much of your time already. I'm so sorry. Like, I could talk to you all day, and I'm so thankful that you've had this time to spend. I love this conversation. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation as well. Um, I, I sort of, uh, I, do, and I do, I hope that, I, I hope that the listeners enjoy it. Um, uh, sort of, I really do. I haven't got any yeah. any hot tips, a hot veterinary tip, um, uh, sort of, uh, <laughs> Um, uh, hot well, veterinary tip for the day. Sort of, I'm about to do a TPLO. There's a thing called an Ossibility TPLO guide. It's really awesome for TPLOs. If anyone's in oh. a surgery, send me an email. Huh. Sort of, and, um, uh, just genuinely <laughs> just makes the whole thing so much easier. There's the hot veterinary tip. It's now a veterinary podcast. <laughs> I feel like in Australia, you must see a lot of like bites by things that are trying to kill you. Because I feel like Australia is just full of like animals that are trying to kill you in some way. And so I feel like you're probably really good at treating snake bites or like bites by very large insects or spiders. Is that just a misconception or is that true? Um, no, it's probably reasonably accurate. I think there's sort of, I, I remember being, I remember actually being sort of uh, going into a forest walk one day up in the, up in the tropics and there was like a sign that was like talking about, uh, there's a tree called the stinging tree sort of here and you've, um, you've got to be careful about it because you can actually, uh, if you get stung by it, you can actually have a heart attack and sort of, uh, and die from a heart attack. It has been so known the trees. to happen. Yeah, literally, this guy the was sort of reading. The trees are trying to kill you. Yeah, this guy was reading it in front of it and said he was sort of, he was this English guy and said, is there anything in this bloody country that doesn't try and kill you? It's <laughs> probably, well, was probably reasonably accurate. <laughs> okay, um, so some generalizations exist for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, I think that's exactly right. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Kate, I had one. So to, to to close out, would you mind? Like, I know that um, you know you have been really involved in trying to expand like the LGBTQI plus community in Australia and I guess the South Pacific. Um, <laughs> you're you're yeah, going global yeah. now with this podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. But I, that's where I found you was on LinkedIn um, when Pride VMC was talking about I think the conference yeah. that you were involved in. So would you mind yeah, just yeah. talking a little bit about that and and also if anybody listening wants to get involved in any of the initiatives that you're involved in, if you could yeah, let yeah, us absolutely. know about those, and I'll be sure to yeah, put yeah. put them in the show notes too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, totally. So um, the the conference was called the Veterinary Kaleidoscope Summit. So the Veterinary Kaleidoscope t- started as a podcast um, with uh, myself uh, and a co-host and co-founder Cam Raw, who's a Aboriginal Australian Aboriginal veterinarian, uh, Palawa man, um, and. Basically, we sort of, we started the podcast because we wanted to hear the voices from diverse people, uh, people who hadn't necessarily in the veterinary industry, who hadn't necessarily had their voices heard. Because we hear a lot from, we do hear a lot from experts. We hear a lot from, which is cool. Like, that's okay. Sort of, uh, um, but 
we don't hear a lot from people from diverse backgrounds. And so so we had our first episode was with the absolutely gorgeous Alex Harrison, who is a profoundly deaf veterinarian I was talking about earlier, um, uh, who uh, we recorded a podcast with a profoundly deaf veterinarian. So I think it's the first, I first, I, sort of, I know, I think it's certainly the first time in the veterinary sort of, uh, in veterinary podcast world that that had actually been done. Um, uh, so, um, and then we're recording quite a, like we've done a few others, um, uh, veterinarian who's bipolar, professor actually, sort of professor of microbiology who's uh, bipolar, um, uh, sort of uh, some gender diverse vets, um, uh, <clears throat> some uh, neurodiverse veterinarians. Uh, we um, did a lovely interview actually, if anyone wants to look it up, it's absolutely beautiful interview with the gorgeous uh, Soraya um, uh, from who was the past president of Wasava, um, who is just the most, oh, my goodness, that, that lady, I could speak to her all day. Like I could just, she's just amazing. One of those people who you speak to them and you're just filled with a spiritual calmness. You are just so sort of uh, so calm when you're speaking to them um, and you just feel like, oh my God, at the end of it, you feel like you're so enlightened, um, uh, which quickly sort of disappears <laughs> as you sort of go about your daily work. But, you know, that's okay. You can come yeah. back and listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It's so there. anyway, we... Sort of, I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Totally. So that became, we thought, so I came up with this really crazy idea. We had so much, such a good time talking to these people uh, via the internet. We're like, what if we could talk to them face to face? And what we could, what if we could get all of them in the one room? Like sort of get all of these people in the one room and actually just see where the conversations went. And so we came up with the Veterinary Kaleidoscope Summit idea, which was quite frankly, possibly one of the most um, incredibly uh, madcap ideas I've come I've come up with just yet. Um, uh, still working, see if I can sort of exceed that. But you know, um, and uh, so I had this idea. Cam, who's just absolutely gorgeous, was like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that." And so we then went to my beautiful wife, Tara Cashman, who apart from being a veterinarian is also an events organiser. And I like to say... Oh, very handy. uh, Yeah, very handy. (laughs) Exactly, right? Um, My own private events organiser. Sort of, uh, and... um, uh, Tara is my... Tara is my believer. Tara is the person who believes in me i'm good at believing in other people like i'm good at sort of uh, believing that they can do things and actually sort of uh, and giving them and showing them that they sort of uh, that they can do that and sort of uh, it's like you can do this like i'm good at sort of doing that tara is my believer she's the one who believes in my stupid ideas um and somehow manages to turn them into a reality and so we turned it into a reality of a two-day face-to-face summit, which I – and um, I'm going to claim bragging rights. We're going to claim bragging rights over MCVMA, who um, who did have the first online diversity and inclusion summit with uh, with RISE in, in 2020, uh, which is an amazing, uh, amazing um, – uh, amazing conference, and if you sort of, uh, I believe it's going to be happening again in 2023. Um, pretty sure, I'm not sure when, but sort of. Uh, so, uh, if you get a chance, listeners, definitely make sure you sort of uh, hook into that if it's online again, or if they do sort of do a face to face one, that would be just in absolutely incredible. Um, but we're going to yeah. claim bragging rights that we were the first face to face. Um, sort of uh, dedicated DNI um, uh, sort of um, uh, conference in the veterinary space, and yeah, we had two days uh, of 
diverse voices. We had over 15 uh, speakers or panellists um, from various diverse backgrounds, um, culturally diverse, multilingual, neurodiverse, physically diverse, um, uh, neuro, sort of uh, LGBTIQA, the works, sort of. Uh, and, um, yeah, and we sort of uh, – and we had this sort of uh, – summit and we talked about our stories we talked about what we dreamed the veterinary profession could be uh, so we actually we we structured around what were three themes were gather dream amplify uh we stole those themes off world pride but um, um they, they gave us permission because we actually paid to be a part of the pride amplified program but sort of um so we gathered to tell stories we dreamed of what an inclusive veterinary profession would look like and then we amplified our voices and our actions to actually make those dreams happen. And, yeah, it was amazing and it was incredible and it will be happening again in 2024. Uh, it won't be happening again this year sort of uh, because it took an insane amount of organising and organising <laughs> Mardi Gras, Sydney Mardi Gras Parade for World Pride, a float in Sydney Mardi Gras Parade for World Pride, Fair Day, a stall at Fair Day where there were 70,000 people came through uh, Mardi Gras Fair Day uh, in one day. Um, uh, and um, and wow. then also TVK Summit all within a period of uh, 10 days was probably not the smartest thing for my mental health. So we sort of, we, we won't <laughs> quite do that again. Um, uh, so we'll probably push. Uh, we'll probably push. We live and let. <laughs> we'll probably push TVK Summit off to. Um, we'll push it back into the middle of 2024. Get it away from. Um, get it away from our Mardi Gras festival, which in Australia we hold in. We generally hold that in February, just because the weather's warmer, and Australians don't like rain. Um, so, um, yeah, and it was all about trying to sort of yeah. I guess walk the walk, walk the talk, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, uh, and sort of uh, yeah. about uh, what um, do. And if uh, if listeners would like to be, if they are in our corner of the world, then there is a TVK website. If they just search um, uh, the internet, they'll find that. Uh, there's also uh, ARVA, Australian Rainbow Vets and Allies, has a website, and you can actually join Australian Rainbow Vets and Allies. You don't have to identify as LGBTIQA to join. Uh, allies are welcome to join, hence Australian Rainbow Vets and Allies. Um, uh, so, so there's us there. Um, uh, there's obviously our wonderful sibling organisations, Pride VMC in the US, um, uh, who sort of uh, already had multiple uh, guests on, I think, from Pride VMC, um, and BVLGBT in the UK um, uh, and European region. Um, and sort of, uh, and we do, we all communicate, like sort of we do communicate and sort of uh, and talk about things, particularly when there's sort of uh, stuff that kind of impacts globally, like the Gender Identity Bill of Rights. So we've sort of, uh, so we do mm -hmm. sort of, uh, ARVA does, the, is doing the advocacy for Gender Identity Bill of Rights within the context of uh, the Asia Pacific, sort of uh, Australia and New Zealand in particular. So, um, and yeah, sort of uh, those are – look up those organisations. There's also some wonderful organisations, particularly in the US, uh, MCVMA, the Native Veterinary Medical Association, the Black Veterinary Medical Association. Um, uh, the um, In the UK, there's actually a sort of uh, – I believe there's a – it's not called. It's not called multicultural, but they do have like a sort of uh, like a multilingual sort of multicultural uh, veterinary association, as well as an association for veterinarians with disabilities, uh, which I'm not sure if there's one of those in the US at this stage, um, as far as that goes. Um, yeah, I yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I'll have to check into it. I know there's a Facebook group um, that mm. is that a lot of um, veterinarians with disabilities belong to, but I don't actually know if there's an association yet. If yeah, there yeah. isn't, there should be. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Makers listening. In yeah, the US. <laughs> definitely. Um, um, and well, I think that sort of the yeah, I think sort of if I was just if I'm able to finish off on this, I, I think the reason for TVK, the reason for TVK Summit is that I, I mean I can speak from a trans experience, sort of uh, that LGBTIQA sort of type of perspective. Um, but obviously I don't I don't know what it's like to have grown up um, as a person of colour. I don't know what it's like to have grown up as a person where who's, who uh, English is not their primary language, um, uh, sort of uh, um, they're multilingual and they speak sort of multiple other languages. Hell, I only speak one language, English, sort of, uh, frankly. Anyone who sort of uh, English is a second language, as far as I'm concerned, should actually be a compliment. That means you're yeah. speaking at least two yeah. languages. Um, uh, so... I don't know what it's like to have a disability, but what I can do is I can listen to those people. Uh, and I, what I do genuinely believe is that our profession needs to reflect this, the communities that we serve. Um, uh, we need to be, we need to be, uh, representing and reflecting those communities. So I want to see black veterinarians. I want to see Native American veterinarians, Latinx veterinarians. I want to see veterinarians with disabilities. I want to see veterinarians. I, I want to sort of see veterinarians who are neurodiverse. I want to see veterinarians who don't speak English, um, uh, you know, certainly not as their primary language. Um, I want to sort of... Uh, you know, as I said in the sort of thing, what, what guys be, I want to see a blind veterinarian, sort of, which, which is kind of sort of excuse the pun, anyone who is listening and who's sort of uh, who's sight impaired. But I want to challenge everything that we think has to be for a veterinarian, every assumption we make about what a veterinarian is. I want to challenge all of that and I want to go, okay. Is that really sort of is that really true? Sort of, uh, you know, what can what can someone who is what can a veterinarian who is deaf? What can a person who is um, blind teach us about sort of uh, about veterinary work? What can a person who's neurodiverse, who's who is bipolar, what can they sort of uh, what can they bring to the table? What can a what can a veterinarian who's um, who is black or a person of colour, um, uh, what can they bring to the table and and not make them, not sort of go, oh, that's amazing, sort of, uh, you know, you've done so well despite being sort of, uh, you know, right. Latinx and sort of uh, and English being your second language, but actually sort of going, holy crap, wow, that's amazing, sort of, uh you're speaking Spanish and sort of, uh, for instance, you know that Estonian, uh, the language uh, Estonian doesn't actually have gendered pronouns, um, uh, sort of, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, so people yeah. from Estonia, sort of, uh, people from Estonia, when they actually speak English, very, very easily slip into sort of can actually use um, uh, non-binary pronouns, they, them, theirs. Um, uh, it's very huh. easy. Sort of... Uh, so I want to know that. I want to know what sort of uh, – I want to know what a deaf veterinarian brings to the table and, and they sort of uh, – Alex has brought so much. Like we did the entire TVK summit. Um, uh, I think we mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Uh, we had live captioning. Um, now, Alex mm. was the only veterinarian who we knew had an obligate need for live captioning. Sort of, uh, um, but our post summit survey responses more than 50% of attendees actually use the live captioning, um, which is like, okay, wow. so let's let's sort of see what the things that they that these people can bring to the table, not go, that's really good that you got here despite being deaf or, you know, sort of mobility impaired or whatever that is. Um, so, yeah, that's what TVK is oh, all about. I love all that. 
Yeah. So hopefully people like it. And if they want to like it, as you mentioned, we will sort of, there will be links in show notes. Um, uh, yes, there will be. Uh, is it going to be in Australia? Yeah, it will be in Australia. Um, uh, it was sort of okay. We it's did a good, do it's a good it. reason to go to Australia. It, look, totally <laughs> come to Australia. Um, mind you, we're putting it in winter, which is probably not the best time to visit Australia. But you can always go to Cairns. It's always hot in Cairns and Darwin. Um, so we sort of. Uh, um, uh, so it will be in Australia probably um, at this stage, probably in Pride Month, like in June. Um, so mm-hmm. it's probably when we'll uh, sort of target. That's the that's the time frame that kind of uh, kind of matches. Um, so yeah, make your plans. Twenty twenty four June Australia. Uh, head on over if you if you want to come over a little bit. Sort of, uh, I think the Australian Veterinary Association National Conference will be probably around a similar time, late May, sort of early June. Uh, so you can probably make an entire trip of it and write the write the airfares off on your tax. I'm sure that these still guys, you guys still do that sort of thing over there in America, <laughs> don't you? Write off airfares again to tax. Um, uh, for doing CE. Sure. Um, <laughs> for business, um, yeah. Yeah, it's for business. <laughs> I'm not giving sort of a disclaimer. I do not give American tax advice. Um, I don't give tax advice to anyone. Um, <laughs> that's one thing you don't do. All right. That's Check one that thing off. I definitely don't do. But, um, yeah, well, so please do that. Um, yeah, and please it's sort of uh, there is a – I'm going to touch on one last thing. There's challenges in the US at the moment for trans and gender diverse people. It's, it's, it's not an easy space to actually be in. And I hope that what any of your listeners get out of this is that we're not all, we're not political activists. We're not there trying to, we're not trying to defraud sort of uh, women of uh, of rights. We're not trying to do sort of uh, anything like that. We're not trying to, we're not trying to influence children to sort of, uh, you know, and, and tell sort of every child that they need to be trans or anything like that. We're just people. We're just people who are just trying to actually, um, who are just trying to live in this world and in society and we just want to be a part of a part of society and a part of everyone's lives. And I think sort of uh, if if you can approach, if the listeners can approach that with compassionate kindness uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, and a curiosity, a compassionate curiosity about sort of who trans people are uh, and you know, find we're not that hard to find. There'll be trans communities around where you are. Sort of, uh, sort of go and meet some trans people. Like we're not scary bogey bear people who are sort of uh, who are shouting with placards all the time. We do that occasionally, but sort of uh, usually just because it's almost impossible for us not to and to still sort of exist and live. Um, we're actually just people. Uh, and so I'd really like sort of I'd like your listeners to actually to do that and sort of uh, go out and learn about sort of uh, learn about trans people and, and sort of learn about our lives and our community. Um, and I think if you do that, yeah, you might be surprised. You might be surprised at the people you meet sort of because there are some really, really amazing trans and gender diverse people out there um and they are just gorgeous and an absolute pleasure to know well kate you are one of them and i really appreciate you. you spending so much time with us um because that's one reason why i wanted so much to have you on the podcast and i wanted you to be you know one of our women to watch um because we're recording this in march which is women's history month and it's because I wanted people to feel after this podcast like they know you, um, because I think podcasts have a power that, um, you know, some other like a written article doesn't have where you hear people talking and you feel like they're talking to you and with you, even though you're not saying anything. And 
I feel that way anyway. Like I always have to remind myself that I don't know people that I've heard on podcasts. So I, I just really appreciate you telling your story and being so candid and so generous with your time um, and willing to come on here because I've enjoyed it. And I know there'll be people who leave this conversation feeling like they've met you. Thank you. And I I sort of agree. I think it's sort of, uh, it's, I mean, nothing beats face to face and hopefully one day sort of that Mm -hmm. can, can happen. Um, uh, sort of, uh, but, um, yeah, I hope people do sort of get a little bit of a sense um, uh, and uh, of who I am, sort of. Uh, so now you can say, all the, all your listeners, you can actually say you do know a trans person. Yay! Um, <laughs> and um, uh, and thank you so much for spending so much time because it is sort of uh, I, I know like sort of uh, we have spent a lot of time. I I don't uh, I don't envy, envy your editor. God, goodness knows how long how they're going to get this down to <laughs> sort of something vaguely sort of. Uh, we might we might have to bisect it. We yeah, might have to re- have it re- release episodes. it release okay. it episodically. It's sort of uh, a bit like a Jane Austen yeah. novel. Um, so um, right, exactly. Um, but, yeah. I think but that's has, a series. That's there we go. Um, so uh, thank you so much for actually having me on. It has been an absolute pleasure, and it's been wonderful to talk to you. So thank you so much for me too. Thank you, Kate. And um, I will drop a whole lot of links in the show notes. If I forget something or you have more questions, you want to talk to us about something, um, you can always reach me at podcast at aha.org. So reach out and I'm happy to pass on any questions um, or comments, feedback to Kate as well. Um, But I will try to put as much as I can in the notes. And um, hopefully everybody enjoyed getting to know Kate as much as I did. Uh, And thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time on Central Line. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.